Before we start today's episode, there's something important for agencies seeking a reliable way to attract new business, especially during busy periods. I want to introduce you to Leaflow Sprint. It's an eight-week program that simplifies your marketing and consistently attracts the attention of potential clients without requiring a massive marketing budget or external sales teams. With my 17 years of experience in aiding agencies to gain visibility in new clients, this program offers a practical and effective approach to lead generation. Forget about unpredictable leads and embrace a method that works across different agency sizes. And if you're keen to learn more, you need to visit caffeine.club slash LFS. That's K-A-F-F-E-N dot C-L-U-B forward slash L for Lima, F for Foxtrot, S for Sierra. Now let's get into today's episode. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Tom Hardy, founder and creative director at Manifesto Studios. Nine years young, Manifesto is a self-ascribed brand and communications accelerator. They're a consultancy and design studio specializing in collaborating with challenger brands. Their client list includes Samsung, Red Bull, Vashi Jewelry, Savse, where previous caffeine espresso podcast guest Natasha Lytton was marketing lead, Milo Lingerie and Padella, one of London's hottest restaurants, which my husband looks at longingly every time we're near the Shard. Prior to Manifesto Studios, Tom accumulated his years of experience at prestigious brand design agencies like Interbrand, Fitch, Rufus Leonard, Lambinen and more. Having worked with Tom when I was the client, I can safely say that he's one of the nicest and most chilled and yet ambitious people I've come across in design. I'm pleased to say that Manifesto Studios thrived in 2020. In fact, this has adapted so well on the remote setup that Tom has recently taken it to a new level, having moved to Mexico while continuing to lead his agency. I'm confident you'll come away from this episode inspired how to make current circumstances fuel your passion for growth rather than diminish it. Just a point before we get stuck into this podcast, um, just bear in mind that Tom is in Mexico, sitting on a beach on the Pacific coast in Oaxaca, and uh, you can hear some birds tweeting in the background, enjoy them, because if you're anything like me, you've only heard ground sparrows for the last four months in your back garden. And uh, another point is that the connection does go a bit fuzzy about three times during this recording. I didn't pause and re-record those sections because I think you can still figure out what's going on. Uh, but just bear in mind that's because of the distance we're traveling over and uh, slightly unreliable uh, internet connection in the bar that Tom was based in at the time that we spoke, not the one that he normally conducts all his business meetings in. So without further ado, I'll let you get back to the podcast. So Tom, welcome to the Caffeine Espresso podcast. It's so nice to have you here and finally have a catch up. It must be three years or more since we last spoke. Thank you. Yes, it flies, doesn't it? I think especially after the last year, the time, time's kind of um, disappeared. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know. Our relationship with it has changed a lot. Just a big gaping hole in my memory of things that didn't happen. But <laughs> so, um, but I'm really keen to hear more about how Manifesto Studios grew in 2020 um, and uh, just give me a potted summary of what's been going on for you growth-wise over the past year. Sure, sure. Um, Brexit was really challenging for us, like a lot of companies. Investors were withholding funds and a number of clients we were uh, were having trouble, we were working with, were having trouble committing to payments, which is, which is tricky. So we spent 2019, I think that's the year, 
um, putting huge amounts of work into successfully rebuilding the client base. So when COVID hit, uh, it actually felt like we'd had the best training and we could survive anything. And that was a bit unexpected because it was almost like, oh, is it going to be like fear or positivity? It, it, it was like, you know, we've, we've worked so hard. We've done such a good job. It feels like we can survive anything. So that, that was a, a nice kind of insight. Uh, and then another sort of factor has been our positioning as a studio is designed, uh, well, we call it designing positive futures. And, and, and a few years ago, we realized that to have the most impact and to really support businesses, you know, looking ahead over the next five, 10 years and beyond, it's just essential to have high impact brand strategy, brand identity, and like digital capability, like under under your roof, like one roof as a core team, as a studio. Um, because, you know, we want to, if you're defining a brand story, you're creating a, you know, codifying a visual system to bring it like, to life. And then you're focusing on the priority deliverable, which in the future, you know, without a doubt, and now is website, um, like that's just a must. So when COVID hit, everyone in the world, every brand basically needs to redefine their story, um, make sure the visual language brought it to life and their messaging like represented it and then bring it to life digitally because no one, you know, digital wisdom, you know, it, it's almost like it fast forwarded us, right? And, and everyone needs a digital and to make digital work really hard. Um, so part of our growth was really down to all the hard work we've done positioning ourselves around this positive futures and the insights that you need this capability in-house and then building a team, you know, the last sort of three, five years to, to make sure that um, we can do it. And, and that really paid dividends because yeah. we were really well positioned for what clients needed. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess you also don't have the um, added expense of having to bring in freelancers um, when you have to add um, a certain discipline that you don't have in-house into the brief. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's really tricky because we talk a lot as a studio about being better, not bigger. And yeah. I, remember doing a, I remember doing a talk once at Soho House and one of my, you know, I was a bit, a bit kind of younger. I was a bit kind of like, yeah, power, this is what I think, but it's true. But I had this, I remember having a slide saying, growth for growth's sake is the ideology of the cancer cell. <laughs> <But it's, laughs> Whoa, so true. But it's, but it's kind of true, right? I remember reading this great article, uh, maybe it was two summers ago, in the last summer in, um, in the garden by George Morbiot, who's an amazing writer. And he talks, he just had this one sentence, he just laid out like the real challenges of, of capitalism. You know, I'm not saying that we've got a, 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 an effective new solution. I think there's nothing wrong with, you know, a thriving business. Business has great value to offer the world and society. Um, but he said, you know, growth for growth sake, uh, sake in um, a world which is finite, there's a point where there's just going to be some very serious issues. And it's a really, yeah. it's a really good logic, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool, and it's manifesting it, it, in so many ways now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Client traits, do you feel were most appreciated by your team internally during this trying time? What was it about the kind of clients that you're working with who really kind of really kind of helped you to get through this period and meant you bonded well together despite the distances yes uh it's there's a few different factors um but the, the the biggest one i would say was um one of the reasons we founded the studio um you know my, my background's as you mentioned about working with a, a lot of um sort of larger high profile agencies there's some wonderful people really talented people but what i often found is that the most talented people you're working with are either um, frustrated and want to leave, um, have got a side hustle, um, 
or, or, or aren't quite connected with the work that they're doing. And so you, you find there's like, sort of like an A team that kind of like really clicks works on together, but there's a cycle of like, you know, them not being there forever or like a long time. And, and from my experience, you know, being in that team and like being on a, on a pitch team and that, that environment is kind of exciting, but you're a bit frustrated. And you, when you, often you're doing, you're more passionate than the clients. Um, and that feels like a really, just like a very ineffective model if you're thinking about long-term. So, you know, I, I, I realized that, okay, if we're gonna build something um, and, you know, let, let's build like a really a simple model. Again, it was like a really nice, naive, like business plan when you're, you know, freelancing or a consultant. And, and it was like, I just want to work with like the most talented people um, with clients who are as passionate as we are um, and doing work that has value. Um, and that was basically the setup for Manifesto Studios nine years ago. So it kind of, it worked. <laughs> what I had to learn well is how to get the, what I had to work is to get the finances to work in that model. Um, but it, it is possible. Um, and, and I think that that's really what's helped us to galvanize uh, the, the team together because everyone's got that shared purpose. Like we all care about, you know, um, doing work that uh, has a positive impact or working on projects that has um, the opportunity to have a benefit for, for, for like society or, or you know, the world around us or things that we're just passionate about that allow us to grow and, and learn as much as our you know, clients and our clients' customers. Um, so I think that's been the biggest thing, just that attitude. And it's meant that we've been able to like be supportive with clients, like get creative about how they could use their IP to you know, pivot their business model um, you mentioned Padella. We've done, you know, the guys there are super bright and they've come up with some great ideas. And we've been working with them to, you know, do their delivery model online and and, and you know international delivery. And they've, they've been doing a, a great, great international job. Great wow. uh, sorry, national. I'm just getting optimistic oh, right. because I'm in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't even realise they were doing delivery, so I'm going to be checking that out. I'm not. Yeah, I do. <laughs> not do. too far like away. I mean, they're so cool. They're such great, bright guys. They're really inspiring. And, and you know, it, it, that comes back to the passion. Like, you know, it's our attitude to do that. And by working with clients like them and many others, you have that attitude. Like, you want to do a good job with them. Um, yeah. And it's that, I find that really inspiring. But, you know, you're less likely to get that um, with, I don't know, if you're working with um, some credit agents you know or, or some huge finance organization that's indirectly enslaving the third world or trying to get you into credit there um you know and, and and i think that you know creativity is essentially about solving problems and there's a point where you have to ask what problems do i want to divert all of my energy into to help solve yeah absolutely and you mentioned the passion of your clients are there any other features of your clients that you feel have really been valued by your team internally over the the last year. I mean, you mentioned the intelligence of the guys at Padella and how bright they are and wanting yeah. to pivot. I think it's a combination of um, perhaps what it what makes, you know, I think that makes it a, a good, good creative. Um, I think curiosity, um, am, ambition, um, and I think being open as well, that really helps. I think we're very often in a new business situation, you can get a sense whether it feels like someone wants to really share what they're great at and really understand what you're great at and whether or whether it feels a bit more like an old school interview in a boardroom that's like us and them. And, yeah. you know, we're very much of the like, you know, like, you know, we want to learn about you. We've got loads of skills that we can uh, and expertise that we can help support you with. Let's be on this journey together. 
Um, and, and I think that, that that openness is a is a great setup to, to produce the best work because then you really are a team in it together. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, we've, we've had like um, take an investment in some companies work in or just being quite creative about how we like demonstrate support. So I think that it, it's really the attitude of the clients that's been everything in helping us to feel motivated and produce our best work, which, which we have done over the last year, quite surprisingly, but I'm um, yeah. very happy it's been the case. Well done, well done. And actually, you raise an interesting point. I think, you know, you it, it's a great name, Manifesto Studios, and maybe I'm now, after our conversation, which is way more in-depth than we've had <laughs> a conversation about your business before, maybe I'm beginning to understand why it's called that in the first place, because you've started it with a very clear vision about who you want to work with, both internally and externally, client-side, and, and you know, your um, employees and colleagues internally. Do you ever feel, have you ever been in a situation where you've said, no to a client who's approached you because you do feel uncomfortable about the state of the relationship as in it feels quite boardroomy and it it um doesn't feel like you're going to have the cooperative kind of relationship that you know you need uh, in order to produce the level of work that you're satisfied with it's a really good question um i'd say that we're really open and we're like we're we're um really happy to um see how you know also it's like it's like dating isn't it like it's it's an early relationship. You need to sort of see how it works and give people the benefit of the doubt and be open. So, yeah. you know, we wouldn't say no because of like the, the vibe, unless someone felt like very aggressive or um, just like it was a very, you know, it felt like a really big misfit. But I'm sure they would feel it too. But unlikely. Yes. Yeah. Um, what What is more the case is if there's um, a project where we feel like we we don't we we don't feel like as a team um, we can put it's quite connects with what our interests and passions are and we're very broad in, in, in the type of things we work with um and also we try to think the, da- the danger of this attitude is like the last thing we want to do is like virtue signal and it's it's up to no one to tell anyone else like what they should and shouldn't do and yeah. that, that's really important but like as a team there's certain things we're passionate about so an example would be um, I don't know, there was a, 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 in that Brexit year that I mentioned that was we were building our client base, we had an opportunity for a huge, um, like really well-paid job for a vaping company. And, um, you know, I smoke like you know, rolling tobacco at, at, at the weekend. So, you know, I, I, I smoke and um, so I can't be like morally opposed to it. But then you start to dig into it and you think, well, actually, the way it was being positioned, um, essentially it's about trying to get like, teenagers addicted to nicotine and you've got to ask yourself okay well we might need the money but like what you know at what cost do yeah at what cost and 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 do you know what kind of a a side point to that is like i found that running a business that there's very quick when you look at your cash flow you know look at your what's coming in what's going out over the same like three months six months a year there's a there's a point where obviously your outgoings is going to be like um uh you know the, the cost of running the business is going to be um more than the predicted income because you can't predict things over say like a year or something so you learn very quickly about okay well, if i'm doing this and there's a, a point in the future say a year or six months wherever where your 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 balance is, is zero then why are you doing it because money is like like completely like you know like doesn't really exist that game too existential but then but then with that mindset it's just have this moment of clarity it's like well you have to care about what you're doing and I've actually found that really reassuring um, as a, as to, to kind of make sure you're focusing on things that you care about. Um, yeah. 
and the, the last point I was going to add is that, um, yeah, it's definitely about experimenting what's right. And I remember very clearly about eight years ago when there was this, you know, start, start the first couple of years of starting up. And there was a very big um, uh, fast food retailer who we were asked to pitch for. And I thought about it, ums and ah, said yes, didn't get the job at the time. I was quite thankful afterwards, but, you know, I would have loved to have got it because we really needed the cash. Yeah. So I think it's a, a learning thing and a definitely a non-judgment thing about yourself, about, you know, what's right for you, what do you care about? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, something on that I was just thinking as you were talking was, you know, just the nature of the name again, um, Manifesto and you very open person and very warm person, but also have very, some very clear, clear uh, pillars in the business that you're hoping to kind of touch on and with the different clients that you take on. And my experience has been by saying that you're for a particular niche or that you're, um, you do a particular thing rather than try and be everything to everyone. Um, and also just let your personality flow, let the attitude of the company flow rather than hold it back and be ultra reserved or corporate I think that's really really useful tool in helping clients to self-select themselves to work with you as well and it can help maybe deflect away some of the clients that aren't the right fit for you and I feel like agencies who are afraid to be themselves and let their attitude show through are kind of doing themselves an injustice because um they're not gonna and we say, yeah, exactly. You're in positions sometimes where you need the money and you do kind of need to take the projects. But when you're in a comfortable position, it's good to just let your kind of um, your personality flow because then, then naturally you'll magnetize the kind of clients that you want to be working with and repel the ones that you don't want to be working with. That's my experience. And I didn't think it would. Somebody once told me that years ago and I thought, no, it's just a case of getting the work, you know, get the balance sheet looking good. But um, it really does work. And, uh, and it makes working a joy when you have the the right kind of clients on board so yeah you're right I really connect um, with that and I think that um there's definitely I think there's a starting to be a bit of a change but I've noticed that um design agencies have very often got quite utilitarian branding because you know they're holding all of their other brands work and there's almost like a, a they're kind of devoid of personality and it makes sense logically because it's quite a lot for clients to get their head rounds when you're trying to get a design, a, um, you know, design agencies or studios brand and then their works brands within that. It's kind of quite nested. Um, but we're like, I totally agree with your point. We're actually in the process of um, updating uh, our brand identity to have a lot more, lot more personality in. Um, and it's a, it's a great time to do it because it's about getting the personality and expertise we've got from the mix of our team and sharing that with clients. So it feels like a no brainer to actually um, communicate it more, more, more heavily to, to exactly do that, to help um, clients self-select and to be more accurate about communicating. You know, that's what we're in the industry to do. So it feels like you're doing a disservice to, to yourselves and to clients if you're not communicating as clearly as you can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think tone of voice for me and just the way you behave in meetings and on calls is like one of the most crucial things. But yeah, I understand yeah. the challenge of not just using Helvetica to put your <laughs> brand, uh, your agency <laughs> yeah. um, uh, identity out there just because you're holding so many other brands that have got so much going on. Yeah, I, I can see that challenge visually. Um, so I mean, what people can't see as we're talking, maybe they can kind of sense through the little tweetings of exotic birds in the background. And I do need to take a screenshot before we finish so I can picture 
where you are because I'm in absolutely miserable at Eastland <laughs> and you're in this idyllic location. Um, you're actually in Mexico currently on the Pacific coast of Mexico. And I wanted to ask you about your move there um, and whether you think uh, moving there, even if it's temporarily, would have happened if 2020 had been a different story. Uh, no, in a nutshell, I don't think it would have happened at all. Uh, it, it's 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 really it's been a really interesting process. Um, I've got um, a couple of amazing um, like business mentors who have run some and sold some very successful known well-known companies. And I was speaking to one of them uh, about a year and a half ago, and he asked me the question, which is a lovely question to be asked by a founder. I think friends or founders should ask founders this question: What's your dream working? day look like like how if you if you can be really blue sky what does your future look like your future of work and I remember thinking back to you know traveling 10 years ago around Southeast Asia for five months and then living in Sydney as working as a design director um, and enjoying that and then realizing that I actually really love work and needed purpose and then I was thinking about okay well I love London you know I've been here for 20 years I I you know really enjoy it get a lot from it but I, I'm getting to the point where I, I like I need to be or I really get a lot from being in nature and it's a great way to manage a huge workloads that keep motivated so it's like nature and community and design like three criteria so I was in my head I was thinking well I'd love to experience being abroad again I'd love to keep running the company and I basically just want to live in a tree house with fiber optic cable and I, <laughs> I re and I remembered this thought whilst I was looking at a you know a, a beach in Oaxaca in Mexico with fiber optic cable just finishing a meeting and I was like okay cool <laughs> thank you thank you universe um but yeah I just I just think it's the time I was saying to the team and everyone that's even in my email sign off it's I think it's such an important time to get creative about how to interact with the world be privileged to be able to, to do it with I don't know everything from like a British passport um, to, um, you know, being in a position where I don't have um, too many commitments in London outside of sort of business and friend networks, which I care deeply about, um, to be able to be here. But then at the same time, I think I also am um, uh, grateful for the decisions I've made um, over periods of time and, to, and, and, and bravery and sometimes quite difficult decisions to be able to be here. And I think just acknowledging those two has been quite important to try and make the most of um the opportunities that I've got to feel like the situation I'm in, it'll be a crime not to do it. Um, you know, I feel super motivated with the most motivated I've ever felt with, with work in a couple of years. Um, the work's going really well. The, we're interacting with the team remotely really well. Um, so it feels like there's no reason not to explore it for uh, a few more months at the least to see how it continues to go. And just a bit of a side note on that. What, um, are there any specific tools that you're using with the team that you think is helping to keep you together particularly well? I mean, I know we're all working remotely and really distance kind of doesn't matter when we're working remotely. Um, but, you know, I'm guessing Slack's probably a feature and Zoom obviously as well. Is there, is there anything that you're particularly depending on as a team? Yeah, it's been interesting. Um, actually, we, we, thanks very much to Gina, our strategic account manager, like that after, we went into lockdown, we were set up like the next day. It was quite remarkable. We were working the next day, everyone was set up remotely, um, we were running the meetings and it just worked. And it was quite surprising, I think, because we had a huge, beautiful space in the paper mill studios, which is a bit like 
sort of Shoreditch house and Jamie Oliver's got his kitchen there and it was a space where we had like interactive workshops you know physically and it was about trying to let people feel relaxed to get like the best insights out it's all quite strategically done to let you know clients relax and just get the best insights because the best insights you get the more authentically you can create a brand which means it's going to connect with customers better um so without that I was very intrigued um but um we just realized it was our personalities and how we are and the curiosity that was the energy and it wasn't so much just the building um and i think that that has been a, a, a big thing like how you run meetings like you mentioned uh, as you mentioned earlier it's a big part of that um in terms of tactical tools um yes we use um slack for like in project conversations um like emails with big things um we have a team stand up every day, uh, which is um, to run around and to check if there's any blockers or anything. We use Trello for projects so people can see, so I get and get visibility of what everyone's prioritizing, what they're working on. And we've got visibility um, on, on that across like operational things. And then what we've got is we set up a few different meeting rooms. So we call them the same thing. So we've got like the studio, we've got the kitchen, and we've got uh, the meeting room. And we use those as kind of like as mental headspace to as have different things. So like if we're catching up as a team, um, you know, it might be the kitchen where we can have an informal chat. We might be eating our lunch together remotely. Um, um, or if it's, a, if it's the meeting room, it will be where we're, um, you know, there's quite a focused thing to do. It might be intense or, or, or like in a positive way, or it might be like a brainstorm. So that's been quite helpful. And then the last tactical tool is just a digital whiteboard. Um, which has been great. Um, I can't remember the name, but I think it's one through Envision. Um, but just using that as a way to collaborate with clients has been great. Get references, throw them up there. It's just like a whiteboard, but better because it's recorded. So we've actually found no difference with, with, and, and um, hugely delighted that's been the case. And if anything, it's actually helped us to move, I, I think, maybe move quicker with like meetings and, and and getting insights faster i'd say the biggest challenge has been as a creative director with creative director hat on has been giving feedback because a lot of it's about you know juxtaposition about okay well that bit from there and then that you know tone of voice and that route's great and let's bring that together and actually what amy had on her screen over there is really relevant to what liam is working on like mm -hmm. those that bringing together is harder so what i've done let me share it because it might, I, don't know, I hope it helps someone. I've got like a live feedback document. So what I do is got a really simple um, keynote. And whilst people are presenting, I do screen grabs, put things together, mix them together. So it's almost like kind of a live mood board so I can help to like point things like as we're speaking on the fly. And that's been really helpful. Um, and then the learning for me has been to just check when that's useful or when it's good to just um, sit on the work and feedback at a later date. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. As you're saying that, I'm thinking you kind of need the world's biggest screen so you can have multiple desktops at the same time to view the work at the same time. But, you know, the, the practicalities of doing that on a beach <laughs> in Mexico are somewhat limited. Um, or, or, even, so interesting. You know, or even, even just working remotely in general, you know. Um, but I do think, you know, it, it, at first, I thought, oh, it's quite tricky to do this, you know, like while I was in London, so, you know, just trying to do the creative direction part. But I was saying to the team, it's like, if you can do this, it's basically um, a PhD in whatever you do. Like, it's the great, it's the greatest thing about creativity. Like, it's the reason uh, you know, many of us in the, the creative side are, are designers and not artists. It's about having that restraint is, is um, a huge um, driver for being creative. 
So the fact that we've got these limitations makes us more creative in different ways, you know? And I, and I think that's, it's just, it was just a challenge. It's like, okay, the creative brief is you can't meet in person, um, solve it. Fine. <laughs> it's a, it's a brief and we, you know, you, you did. <laughs> and how do you get, yeah. how do you solve it creatively? You know? Okay. Well, I actually tested working remotely in Greece for, uh, five weeks in the summer and I learned that actually going east is great because you're you know you're living in the future going west from a time zone perspective is a bit more difficult because of the time zone um Gina did the same she worked in Dubai with her partner um, and went out there for five weeks it's just experimenting you know and trying what works and just we felt like we've landed on something that's really positive and we're you know encouraging people to work remotely in our team and being mindful of the time zone crossovers so we have that's actually that's a really hopefully that's a helpful thing to mention what we've done is we've had we found that other people might feel the same Gina and I especially were having moments where we were having like eight hour zoom calls with clients a day um it's just not healthy um I think a lot of it we did a lot of research psychologically and a lot of it's about we all know that 90 percent of communication is non-verbal mm -hmm. so when you're doing zoom calls you're trying to pick up on those visual cues that aren't there and it makes you more tired and so what yeah. we've decided to do is um have four hours of maximum of four hours of meetings each day and that's great for two reasons one it keeps you mentally like agile and alive for those meetings and for the next day and secondly it allows you a good block of time to um focus on the work that you need to be doing yourself without all being like in meetings and that means you get i don't know you might have read that you know that that deep thinking but you know it allows you to do the deep thinking um, mm -hmm. where you really get all of the like the high quality work done so it's a double benefit you know? yeah yeah absolutely I think my husband in particular is really struggling works um, in uh, finance and it's a very very different world and they're really struggling with not having um, the meetings face to face and he's spending upwards of six hours a day on the phone not doing his actual work he's like it's when am I going to get my work done it? and it's we're almost at a year now <laughs> so yeah. you know your creative problem solving I'm sure has really you know set you as an advantage and on that note how have your goals and ambitions for the agency changed after the roller coaster of last year do you feel like you've got more ambitious or do you feel like it's it's become more of a balance towards um getting a balance in life and work it's a good it's a good question i i also think that challenging times are a great way to trust to to test a strategy and it really hasn't changed our our positioning or our or, or our kind of um mission at manifesto studios it's it, it's just uh, helped us to double down on it and if you if i go back to that uh, you know like kind of really beautifully naive business plan that I had about, you know, doing work you care about for um, people that make a positive impact, um, you know, with, with a team of experts. And, it, it, and, it, and it's still that, it's just that the landscape has changed. Um, I'd say that what it has done is fast forwarded the possibilities about how you can do it effectively. And it has augmented the landscape to, Oh, I'd say that the new I'd say that the new normal in general has just taught us about how to let go. You know, how to let go mm -hmm. of that sense of control that we don't really have. You know, thinking about people in um, um, hospitality or, or, or restaurant, you know, restaurateurs that, that we work with, no fault of their own, the market has completely changed. 
Um, but what you what you can have control over is your attitude and how you approach it. You know, it's like I was I've been describing it as like an earthquake when you have, and you know, you know, you might get a tsunami, and it's your choice whether you're kind of under it or whether you're surfing it. And you know, I find that the clients we're working with, and, and we've just been surfing it and, and trying to make the very best of that hugely challenging landscape that's, that, that that has changed. Yeah. Great. And I just have a couple more questions. One is, what is your favourite business book? Would it be Deep Thinking? <laughs> well, it's a good question. Do you know what? I actually, it's a bit like, I mean, I've got like all the Harvard, you know, business few books. There's some great insights in there. There's some, some you know, good, good podcasts like, you know, like yours and some other ones that are just great to get insights from other people. Um, I have to say that I think the best reference is not business books, it's from other areas um so it's a bit like creative direction i think or the creative references to encourage people not to get on the standard design blogs it's like i don't know look at a musician's interview or read an autobiography or do some research into ancient like mayan culture or i don't know tribalism and communities and i think i think being being quite creative about where you get inspiration is quite helpful and that comes down to the fact that essentially business books are based on like people's individual experiences of how they run their businesses but every business is different so if you want to have a very different vision you you kind of need to pick up a different things um yeah 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 i don't know i i, I read quite a lot but i wouldn't say i have a favorite one um Okay, I'm just going to pin it down. You don't, you don't need to. I love your answer. And I'm just thinking, you know, the way I used to collect things like a magpie creatively to feed myself was going to yeah. galleries and museums and yeah, sure. the library. And now I'm limited to what I'm reading. I get a copy of The Week every week. I don't know if you're familiar with that newspaper. Yes, they have a yeah, roundup of the reviews and across various different things. So like, that's, that's basically like <laughs> my window into what's going on in the world. I mean, I do have... A two and a half year old yeah. in tow, so I don't have that. Yeah, much free goodness. Time I mean, that's elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely but, right. That's a life. That's a that's a huge like life education. <laughs> but yeah, I've maybe got, maybe that's helping. I don't know. <laughs> sure. I mean, I've got I've got two come to mind actually. Um, or like I, I remember I, I haven't I have uh, I remember Career Magazine being like a great sort of insight, yes. like practically about what's happening. Like that, I've always been a huge fan of of that. It's just a you know really great publication for getting insights into startups and what's happening. So it's not really yeah. a book, but like as an insight to the current market, that's great. And I'd also say, as, as kind of my go-to one, or often I reference to clients a lot or to the team, is probably um, the Harvard Business Review on communication, especially the okay. first essay. And what that talks about is how, it, it's basically, I, I, I'm just absolutely um, fascinated by the psychology of communication. And it's a, it's a really great short essay that just talks about um, how different people read information. It helps you just to understand the block, the fact that everyone sees the world in such a different way. Mm -hmm. And as the designer or as communicators, we need to really understand that and see what it means for how we communicate as a brand to people who have, you know, so many different viewpoints and analyze the world in such ways. So that's a, that's a great book to really understand that on communication. Brilliant. Um, and then my final question is, who should get in contact with you and when? I'm imagining Absolutely. brands who are ambitious and smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I've, I've, yeah, exactly. That's so passionate people trying to make a difference with their products and service. Um, and it, it, it's simple as, simple as that, really. Like, we've, we've been so 
grateful that having the, the kind of the positioning and, and the manifesto to try and do positive positive work has helped us to be in contact increasingly with companies that we're, we're more and more connected with it's a nice kind of lesson that we're, we're, we're going in the right direction and I'm sure that will evolve and change but um, we've had so many interesting conversations um, and it's always great just to chat with brands just to see if there's a good fit and just to give some share some ideas and help support businesses I think you know I read this other great great great, great quote recently he said that you know, essentially all business was set up to do is to support your you know, team financially and to help them grow and to support your local community. And although we're in a global community, it's a lovely thought about, you know, it's not really about, you know, the finance. And I think you're going to feel quite empty if that's your biggest driver. Yes, it's hugely important to be able to support your business. But if, you're, if you're in a position where you're um, working, you have a, a real interest in the purpose and you're yeah. connected with the clients that have uh, um, share that purpose then you're in you know you've got a recipe to produce something that's really awesome yeah yeah and enduring something that you're going to enjoy for a long period of time Absolutely. I've made the mistake of founding a business not on that before and it doesn't work out trust me so um yeah very relieved <laughs> to be working in something I'm very passionate about this time around yeah good for you um, Tom, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Um, it's been really, really good to catch up and just hear where you're at and just so good to know that Manifesto is going from strength to strength and I wish you all the best with it. Um, hope to catch up face to face at some point in the future, but also really yeah, want you to enjoy sure. your travels for as long as possible. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah, it's been really lovely to catch up and thanks so much for inviting me on. I think um, it's uh, another great way of that you're doing that I'm really behind about. Um, just having those conversations and being creative and seeing how to support businesses and keep those conversations going in a, in a landscape that's changing so much. So um, thank you so much. Thank you. Just before we wrap up, I want to touch on a crucial opportunity for your agency's growth. As a creative agency, your primary focus should be on delivering exceptional work, not getting bogged down in sales and marketing. And that's where the lead flow sprint comes in. It's an eight-week program designed to streamline your lead generation process bringing in a steady flow of potential clients to you. No more struggling with the ups and downs of trying to gain the attention of new business. Our program includes hands-on support, including direct input on your copywriting, ensuring a bespoke approach to your lead generation needs. No more feeling stuck in the feast or famine cycle. Our real-time support, including direct feedback on tasks like copywriting, helps you to bid farewell to inconsistently and embrace a lead generation system that's tailored to your unique needs. Visit caffeine.club slash LFS. That's K-A-F-F-E-N dot C-L-U-B forward slash L for Lima, F for Foxtrot, S for Sierra.